It's time to let you in on a little secret. Actually, lots of secrets. We're talking strategy and most importantly, return on your investment for your podcast. Welcome to Branded Podcast Secrets. All right, welcome to another episode of Branded Podcast Secrets. I'm your host, Erin Greger, here with another amazing guest today. Oh, Dr. Yami, I am... Um, I have a long list of just like what you are, you are just, you are amazing. So I can't wait to speak with you today. So uh, today we have Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster. Did I get that right? You got it. Yay. Okay. Kazorla. I love the name. I just, I'm so, I'm so uh, vanilla when I say amazing names like that. So I apologize. But uh, Dr. Yami is the host of Veggie Doctor Radio. That's why she's here today, but she's also a pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a mother. She's a wife. Uh, and of course, she's a podcaster. So uh, thank you so much for joining me today because um, I can't wait to dig into this with you. This is going to be so much fun. I love doing episodes like this, so I can't wait. Yeah, you know, and it's, I'm going to assume you're 170, epi- 170 episodes in, so I'm going to assume you have a pretty big passion for podcasting. Uh, yes. You have a pretty big passion for health, which I very much respect. I love the marriage that you have because I know some people think if you're really into health, you're anti-doctor, but that's not true at all. I think there's such an important marriage there that should happen. So can you talk a little bit about, you have a practice in Washington, is that correct? So walk me through, you've got a a great practice, you're helping all these people. What was that moment where you said, you know what, I think I want to reach more people. And I want to do that through a podcast. Well, like you said, I have a passion for public speaking in general. So I love talking. (laughs) I love podcasting. It's so fun. But it's really funny, because I went from being a YouTuber, trying to start a YouTube path to get the message out about plant-based nutrition, healthy eating for children, simple cooking, things like that. But the issue with video is you have to dress up and look nice and get your makeup on. Ironically, I'm back at that place now that I also record video portion of my podcast, (laughs) but at least you you only have to do it like from your shoulders, you know, up. But I wanted to find an easier way to reach my audience that was more simple for me and I could do in long format. And so that's why I wanted to try podcasting and I fell in love with it. It just felt like the perfect platform for me to spread my knowledge, to have a conversation with guests. I love interviewing guests, but also just to interact with my audience and and help them out help answer their questions. And so that's kind of how it started. Well, and I love it. And I even want to take a step back from there. Because I think, you know, you're a you're a doctor in the sense of, you know, you're a pediatrician, I'm assuming that's where you started. That was kind of your first title. Yes. Um, and, and I, you've got a local practice. And for so many of these, and my husband's a chiropractor. So I speak from experience in the sense of you're local, you do your thing, you see patients. At what point did you kind of get that that whisper, that place in your heart where you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm serving my local community at a at really well, but I want to take it more. Like you wrote, you wrote a book, like you said, you're, you're a speaker. 
Can you talk about that moment where you were like, I want to go beyond just the local practice that I have? Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't start out that way. It started out because I started my website first, Veggie Fit Kids, and I really started it to serve my own patients. It was just that I kept answering the same questions over and over again, or I kept trying to help my patients find easier recipes. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to put it all in one place. So I started Veggie Fit Kids. And it was from there that I realized, oh, well, now there is this bigger audience. And I started my website a long time ago. So that was my first step into it. Since then, of course, the the world of social media and YouTube has become exploded into something that's even bigger than it was before. So I didn't realize the potential it had even then, but the potential is greater even now. And those little baby steps forward into just having more courage in the journey of like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to put myself out there. I have the confidence to do that. And it's just grown from there. But I didn't go directly to, I want to reach the whole world. It was, I want to reach my own patients but then other people started finding me. That's awesome. So in terms of the book, podcast and speaking, you know, I'm, you know, speaking on a, on a national, even international level, what can you give the order of what came first and then how those have helped the other come, come into fruition? Yes. So obviously I've been a pediatrician for 12 years now. So started as a pediatrician. I did the website, went to YouTube, started my own private practice that's when I started the podcast. And from the podcast, I had already started maybe doing some public speaking here and there because I like it, but it started to become more prominent, got invited to do local conferences and national conferences. Now I'm internationally speaking. And then I got my book and then it's just grown since then. And it's just like, you know, my husband says this all the time is that sometimes you see people and you say, oh my gosh, they were an overnight success. It's like hardly ever that way. (laughs) You know, it's like you've worked 15, 20 years to become an overnight success, you know? And so, yeah, it's just been steps along the way and you just build one on top of another. Having a book is great because it really allows you to have something to give to people, something physical to talk about, to give to people. It shows people your style, what, you know, your essence, the message that you want to spread, and it opens the doors to lots of opportunities. So for people that have a book in them, I recommend pursuing it because it is definitely one of those things. It's like running a marathon, which I've also done before. It challenges you in ways that you never thought you would ever be challenged. So it is definitely a journey to personal growth. No, completely agree. I, I have a, a book too. And I and I love, <clears throat> excuse me, I always love to research how, how you're really capitalizing on the podcast because when people love what you have to say, and you know, you're a bit limited. If I'm in Texas where I am, I may love what you have to say, but I may not come see you as a patient, right? But I want to connect with you. I want to learn more from you. And so I, seeing how you, you know, write your show notes and push at, can you talk a little bit about your strategy? Because your book's included in there, like in that list of things, the ways you can connect and how they can purchase it. What is your strategy for allowing people that more and to help build your brand outside of just come see me as a patient or, you know what I'm saying? 
Right. No, that's very important because even with my local practice, the majority of the time now my panels close because I'm very busy and have a lot of patients now. <laughs> so even for local people, sometimes it's hard for them to come see me. But just like everything else, it's been an evolution. When I first started the podcast, I really didn't intend it as a way. I didn't really think of it that way. And, and it was just more like, I have this information. I need to get it out. I need to have some platform to get it out because it's going to burst out of me. And since then, I've learned. For those people that are just at the beginning of the journey, don't be scared. Don't be intimidated. Just get started and you'll learn these things along the way. Now my podcast looks super shiny and beautiful because we've worked on it for four years and I have somebody that helps me. So I actually have an employee that i used to work for me at the practice and now she's transitioned to being my employee that helps me with all the podcasts and social media and all of that. And we have been able to figure out what's most important to put in the show notes and how to make our own little ads to play in the episodes to highlight what I want people to find. Because once you write a book, it does become part of your job description to sell the book. You can't just expect to write a book and it's just going to sell by itself. You have to sell it. And so I use the podcast to talk about the book, to inform people about the book, because otherwise I swear people will not know that I have a book. You can't just expect people to just dig and find it themselves. So you have to be willing to put it out there. So we talk about that. We talk about all of my freebies because I want people to get on my mailing list because that's the way I can directly communicate with people about any special courses I have, any live events, Instagram, Facebook stuff that I do. And so those are the two main things that I do on my podcast is advertise my book and try to get people on my newsletter. I love it. You're so you're going just so beyond um, just the, the general day to day practice, which I think is absolutely amazing. Did you see growth from the podcast, though, in, in your practice? Like, were you able to directly correlate any uptick in business from just the podcast? Well, I mean, this is going to sound, <laughs> it's going to sound super arrogant and conceited, but my <laughs> practice has always thrived. So that's, that's not awesome. a goal. Like yeah. I'm not trying to get more patients. Okay. I love that people come seek me out, but my practice has always grown really well and organically and I am busy enough. Most of the time I might be a little too busy, more busy than I want to be in the practice. So that's never really been a goal for my podcast, but I feel like I could use it that way. I would just probably change my strategy a little bit because the truth is the majority of my patients, even though it's in my monthly newsletters to my patients directly, I have a, a separate newsletter for them. A lot of people don't even know I have a podcast. They just see me as Dr. Yami from Yakima, Washington, their pediatrician. That's what they care about the most. When I say, hey, we're talking about in the office, something that I talked about in the podcast, you should check out this episode oh, you have a podcast? Yep, I have a podcast and I have over 170 episodes and you'll probably really enjoy listening to it. But there's not as many people as you think that are familiar with podcasts, so you have to educate them on it. But once you get people hooked on podcasts, it's great because then they're really in. You just have to really educate people that have never listened to a podcast before. 
Yeah, very good point. Uh, that's so funny. It's kind of, you have like two separate lives, the online life and the local life. I, I love do. it. Seriously, I think there's a people that have no clue. And obviously, because I have people that do seek me out because they found me online. And I have people that drive three hours to come see me, which sometimes makes me feel really bad. But I tell them, you don't have to come see me. You could probably find somebody close. But they, so they found me that way. But a lot of people that find me locally, they just know me as Dr. Yami, the local pediatrician, and they seek me out because they know that I'm a good doctor, but they don't know my whole separate double life. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I love it. Um, you're Like as I mentioned earlier, you're 170 episodes in. So I would love to know, I'm sure you went in with a strategy of A or whatever it is. Are you still all this time later in that same strategy or how has your podcast evolved in that time? It has changed so many times. And that's another tip I have for people is don't give up. You'll find your groove. You'll find what works best for you, but also don't be afraid to change it up if you need to according to your life circumstances. So when I first started, I think I was posting episodes every two weeks maybe. Then I got super overwhelmed with life and I went to once a month and then I took a break for a few months, came back to maybe every other week. And it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago that I was like, you know, I want to get consistent and post weekly episodes and see what happens. And that's when it really took off. And so I've been posting weekly episodes. And then sometimes if I really get into the groove, I'll post bonus episodes. So I'm doing two episodes a week. And that's when I see a lot of growth too. But it took me a long time to get consistent. I just, I didn't give up. And I knew that if I took a break, it wasn't a permanent break because I love my podcast and I love doing it. I just had to find a way that worked for me. And I'm a systems-based person. I, I'm a very workflow person. So I have to be able to integrate it into my life, into my workflow in a way that makes sense to me. And that's the way I can stay consistent. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. That's a great tip too. You gave yourself permission. And you know there are a lot of people that are going to get into this and feel overwhelmed and maybe have to pause or change. But I love that you did it. Because I think, in my personal opinion... Starting is the easy part. It's starting again after the pause because you're you're like you're on this trajectory and you're like I can't not publish. I can't not publish it. And then and then you skip that first time you're supposed to, you know, whether it's every other week or whatever and you skip that first one and then you're like, well, the world quite didn't fall apart like I thought it would if I didn't. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can I can skip a little bit more. And I see this with, with podcasters all the time is that getting back on that start is way harder than starting initially. So I love that you you kept going. Did the format change at all for you in, in, in all these episodes? I've mostly always done interviews. But ironically, right now, I am starting to pivot again and go more towards monologue. So I think I'm going to be changing more monologue heavy, less interviews. I I personally love interviewing guests. It is so much fun. I feel like I make a new best friend every time and I am learning along with my audience. So I love learning all these things, speaking to these experts. I have the best guests. But that requires a lot of coordination. And so there are some 
you know, drawbacks to guest interviews. And then I realized as I started integrating more monologues, I got really positive feedback. People love the monologues. And as I look at my episodes, I realize, you know, they see an aspect of me. They see an aspect of Dr. Yami that's unique because I interview guests, but rarely do they get to hear exactly my opinion on the topic. And I think that's why I'm getting good feedback is because people are like, you know, I like hearing what you think. I like hearing how you feel about this rather than you asking a guest how they feel. So it's been kind of interesting, but monologues in a way are harder for me to prepare for, especially because I'm a perfectionist. I want to have all my ducks in a row and have it perfect. And so it takes longer for me to prepare. Writing guest questions is super easy for me and I am just a natural interviewer. So that doesn't take as much time on my end to prepare for a guest interview. So, you know, there's pluses and minuses, but I'm going to try to go more monologues now and see what kind of reception I get from my audience. Some props on this, and I'd love to dig into your process a little bit on it because I did listen to a couple of your monologue episodes. And a lot of times a monologue is, is going to be a much shorter episode because a lot of people don't like doing that solo. And yours were well into the 40 minutes from what I can remember, like, but it was really well done. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, you could tell you were prepared, but you weren't robotic about it at all. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know the process, uh, because I know that scares a lot of people of doing a monologue. But to your point, it eases up a lot on on guest research and discovery and scheduling. Can you Talk, talk a little bit about the process of setting up that monologue. Are you writing a script and just reading off of it? Are you outlining? Like, how do you set yourself up for that? Because you do a really great yes. job on them. Thank you. And I love public speaking. So to me, the speaking part isn't the hard part. And I am not... I don't like writing out full scripts word for word. I'm, I'm more of a big picture person. So I like having an outline because otherwise I do lose my train of thought because I have way too many things in my head. Like I know a lot of things that also sounds really conceited, but it's true. Like I will start pulling from all kinds of stuff I know and it gets disorganized. So I do an outline and then from there I elaborate so that it feels more conversational. It feels like I'm just sitting with you at the coffee shop and we're talking together. You ask me a question about something and I'm answering. And I love that kind of thing. But the reason it takes me a little bit more time to prepare for monologues is because I think about it a long time. <laughs> I like to think of like, okay, how do I want to approach this? How am I going to, what angle am I going to take it from? What studies do I want to highlight? What aspects of this do I want to emphasize? And so I feel like I need more brain time. It's not that I'm sitting there typing the whole script out. I just really have to reflect. And that's why it feels like it takes me longer. But there's some episodes that are monologues that don't take me as long to think about. I just need to prepare, like getting more information. Like uh, one that's going to come up is I'm going to highlight mushrooms next month for the month of September. I'll be talking about the health benefits of mushrooms. And I'm so excited about learning more about fungi and all of that, but I just need to get on the internet. I need to look at studies. I need to research the benefits and get all that ready. I'll also be using all of that information for my social media and making infographs for my social media. That'll prompt my reels for my social media. And so it starts this whole machine and process of 
you know, from one piece of work, you can have lots of different sets of content from that. I love it. I love mushrooms too. I definitely need to listen to this. I, too. I just said it the other day with, and I was like eating up no, butter and garlic. Mm, the best. And I was like so laughing good. with, I was laughing with my husband. I'm like, why don't we eat these every day? Like they're so good. You can't. Yeah, that's true. We just, no, that's what I'm saying. We need to do better about it because they're, they're too rare in between. But, um, okay. You touched on marketing. I love, I'm a huge fan of one piece. Let's use it as many ways as you can. Obviously, you mentioned you have somebody who helps you with it. Can you give us some insight into your marketing, uh, your marketing strategy and, and how that's intertwined with the podcast? Are you just sending your podcast out to a list, social media, et cetera? And are you finding it's growing because of that marketing strategy? So this has also evolved over time and I've become more savvy. I don't do anything super fancy, but we've become very deliberate about how we do things. Definitely social media is going to be our biggest driver for getting new people on the podcast. And like I said, part of it is just making people aware I have a podcast because on social media, you think everybody's seeing your stuff, but there's only a very small percentage of people that see it. So don't be afraid to continue posting about something over and over and over again, because finally some people will be like, oh my God, I had no clue you had a podcast. So social media, my newsletter, I have a weekly newsletter. So on my newsletter, I refer to my podcast episodes. I used to only send just my podcast episode to my list. But then I realized that that was really boring and people didn't really engage. When I started making my newsletter more personal and actually talking about my life or talking about other specific things and then linking to a podcast episode that related to that topic or putting it at the bottom, I got way more engagement and my newsletter has really started to increase rapidly since then. So that's helped. When I have a guest, we make sure that ahead of time, my guest has all of the shareables, the links, everything so that they can share it with their own platforms and their people and their lists. And so through all of those things together, it's really helped it grow. But every time I do speaking, Every time I'm on somebody else's podcast, I talk about my podcast, talk about my book, and make sure that I remember to highlight all of those things. And yeah, it's steadily grown over time. Yeah. I, and I want to touch on the speaking part. I know you talked a little bit about this, but how much has the podcast helped build your speaking career too? Because I know for me, it was it was a huge um, it was a huge catapult just because and it made me more confident too. But I'm curious how it's helped you. I think it's helped quite a bit because a lot of people have found me through the podcast and it gives you a sense of credibility that you are able to speak on these subjects. People can hear you. They can hear your style. They can hear your confidence and they can tell how knowledgeable you are by how you speak. So I definitely have gotten more invitations and had more opportunities presented to me because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to know, you know, as a, as a mom too, what the future holds for the juggle for you? Because obviously focusing on a pot, you know, like I was mentioning, it goes so much beyond your local business. Uh, what do you see yourself in the next few years, you know, and utilizing the podcast to do that? Like how much of your time will be more of the larger scale versus how much time at the local scale? It's hard to say. I definitely envision myself getting more and more into public speaking and paid public opportunities, those kinds of things. 
as time goes on, right now I'm quite busy with my practice. My kids aren't super young. They're 11 and 16. So I have one that's going to be graduated from high school in a couple of years. And as the, you know, I get closer to that empty nest, that is when I will feel more comfortable doing more traveling for speaking. The cool thing right now is that I have done international talks virtually over the past yeah. year, which is really neat. Like, that is so cool. I did one for Nigeria and Turkey and all kinds of stuff. So I reach, I've been reaching audiences around the world. And with my podcast downloads, there's people from all over the world. And I have super fans in all kinds of countries. That's really super neat. But as the world opens up and we can travel more in the coming years, I hope to be able to go there in person. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever like, one of my goals, my kids are eight and nine now. So traveling isn't as exhausting. <laughs> it's actually fun with them now. And I know one of my goals as the world opens up and getting more being able to take vacations out of the speaking engagements, right? Like take yes. them and, and be able to do more stuff like that. And I just I commend you. I'm a huge, like I, I mentioned, I'm a huge proponent of clean eating for kids. I, I, my husband was really big on it and I was like, kind of rolled my eyes at him, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I always saw the story, but there was a weekend where my son had, it was Halloween weekend. So we had a Halloween party one day. We had Halloween the next day. We had another thing the next day. And he went from a really pretty easy kid to a nightmare. Like I didn't know how to handle him. It was, I think he was like three or four that I like, what's I'm like, I'm on board. I'm on board. And I feel your message is so, so, so important. So I hope you do reach so many more people. Cause I just feel, I, I feel your message will make people's lives easier. I really do. Um, oh, thank you. Do you have more books in the works too? I just, well, I do want to write another book and that's, I am doing the thinking process of what I want to focus on and when I'm ready to engage on that, because as you know, writing a book is a whole affair and it takes a significant portion of your time in your life. So I'm not quite ready yet, but hopefully in the coming couple of years, I'll be ready to embark on my next book journey. Yeah. So I want to, to close it out, I always like for a, a tip or you know advice, but I want to go back to something you had mentioned where you said if you um, if you were focused more on the local buildup for your podcast, you do things a little differently. If somebody wanted to start a local podcast, what is that thing you do differently? Um, is, is there how you'd shift that? Because for somebody listening out there to say, well, maybe I, I don't want the international audience yet, but I'd love to see maybe this grow locally. Do you have any advice from that perspective? Or what yeah. is that thing? Well, you know, I would just do things more locally and talk to more local speaking, but also in social media, being more strategic with the hashtags. Because if you are, say you're in New York City or a smaller town like mine, Yakima, if I wanted to make sure that it really stayed local and local people saw me, I would be using those hashtags for my local places, engaging with local businesses, make sure that they knew about my podcast so that they can share it. Given getting on the radios, you know, it's really not that hard to get on the radio station. They're always looking for guests for whatever. It's not that hard. Call up your radio station, get on the local media, in the newspaper, on TV. And I've been invited to do all of these things, but I don't focus on trying to increase it, you know, uh, but it's easy to do. It's not that hard because 
the reporters, everybody's looking for people to talk about something to fill space. So get in there and talk about your podcast and more people will find you. And depending on who your target audience is, like I said, especially the older people that may have, don't even know what a pod or what, you you need to show them. Like if you're at the grocery store or whatever, you hear somebody talking about something. Oh, I have a podcast about that. What's a podcast? Oh, let me show you. And you show them on your phone. How do you download it? How do you look for it? And then you can, you can get another loyal listener that way. Yeah, I, education is key. I actually have, so my uh, business partner, we, we did an event last night and we sent out LinkedIn invites, event, event LinkedIn invites, right? And these people were saying, yes, they were coming. And so she reached out to them and said, hey, are you, you know, you, so you're going to come or whatever. And they were like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you RSVP'd yes to this event. Like, and they're like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just clicked something <laughs> Just click yes for everything. Yeah, they're like, I just wanted to support you. And she's like, well, you could support me by showing. It was just like this funny, like, we think everyone gets it. And we think because we do it and we live it that it's this known thing and they know how to download and they know how to do all that. But the truth of the matter is, I think it's at 75% now of Americans listen to a podcast or they know what a podcast is. We're not at 100 yet. There's still a lot, a, a long ways to go. So, uh, Dr. Yami, thank you so much. Uh, you, I, I love the evolution. I love the honesty you've given. If somebody wanted to listen uh, to A, learn more about you or listen to Veggie Doctor Radio, where is the best place for them to go? Well, I always share the iTunes link for it. But if you want to learn more about me and I have a blog that has all of my episodes on it, go to dryami.com forward slash podcast. And all of my podcast episodes are there with little notes or little blog posts on them. And you can find me at Instagram at the Dr. Yami. That's where I am most active. And for your listeners out there who are parents and are interested in intuitive eating or plant-based nutrition for children, my book is called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. And it's available on all major online platforms in paperback, ebook, and audiobook that I narrated myself. Awesome. And of course, all that will be on our notes page over at eringgregor.com. So if you need to access those, head over there. Uh, Thank you so much again, Dr. Emmy. I really appreciate you taking your time today. Thank you for having me. It was such a fun time. (laughs) Thank you.